Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The James Wilson Show. As always, the slogan for this episode is Give Me Liberty, as I talk about the news through a conservative perspective as a 14-year-old in high school. Today in this episode, we'll be getting to Elizabeth Warren dropping out, as well as Bloomberg, but we'll get more to Elizabeth, as well as the coronavirus, Super Tuesday results, current and the latest polls regarding the Democratic presidential primary, and of course, a Colorado councilwoman who had something to say about politics. Alright, so as promised, we'll just get right into it, starting with the big news of last week. Obviously, Super Tuesday happened. That was very important. We'll get to all of the latest Democratic primary results, the coronavirus in the United States, other countries. There's a lot of big news this week. But of course, we have to start with Elizabeth Warren. There's been a joke going around that she dropped out of another race that she didn't belong in. Ha 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 ha. No, basically the joke, you know, if you don't already get it, is Elizabeth Warren, who used to claim that she was Native American, affirmation action, privileges, all sorts of that. So she dropped out of another race, Native American, Democratic primary. I don't know. I think it's funny. Just a joke that's been going around thanks to the Daily Wire So, Elizabeth Warren decided to drop out shortly after Super Tuesday. Now, Mike Bloomberg also happened to drop out, but we talked about that last week on the show. Mike Bloomberg, he had his moment, and then he actually made it to the debate stage, and he really blew it. He he did not do well on the debate stage at all. He got absolutely crushed. He spent $500 million in ads, and now he's already out. There's estimates that with the amount of, using simple math, with the amount of delegates that he received, he paid $12.5 million for each delegate, you know, in camp, campaign ads, all of that sort of stuff. So, big waste of money for Mike Bloomberg. Gosh, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth Warren released an official statement, so... So, this is someone else writing it, actually, but they say, Elizabeth and I are so grateful for all the hard work for everyone on this team, not only leading up to Super Tuesday, but on in all the weeks and months before. To every volunteer, donor, and supporter, thank you for everything you've done. Last night, we fell short of our viability goals and projections, and we are disappointed in the results. We're still waiting for more results to come in to get a better sense of the final delegate math. And we also all know that the race has been extremely volatile in recent weeks and days with front runners changing at a pretty rapid pace. But we are obviously disappointed and Elizabeth is taking talking with our team to assess the path forward. All of us have worked for Elizabeth long enough to know that she isn't a lifetime politician and doesn't think like one. She's going to take time right now to think through the right way to continue this fight. There's a lot at stake for this. Interesting statement by Elizabeth Warren. Obviously, she was right. Elizabeth Warren blew a huge a huge lead in the Democratic primaries. Now, she wasn't the she she obviously was a front runner. Her, just like Mike Bloomberg, 
she she was a rising candidate. She got that support. And if you notice at the debates, we'll get to this. We'll talk about more of the debates once they're, you know, start coming up between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. But if you notice, whoever's doing the best in the polls at that moment really gets battered and slaughtered by all of the other candidates who want to see them gone and to, you know, have them be the front runner. So obviously, lots of people attacked Joe Biden. Lots of candidates attacked Joe Biden at the beginning of his campaign on the debate stage. Obviously, this is still happening. And then that shift was made to Bernie Sanders as he became one of the main front runners. All of a sudden, he was getting attacked. Mike Bloomberg, again, spent $500 million in ads, finally made the debate stage. People were worried about him. People wanted to see him gone. He was rising in the poll numbers that scared all the other candidates. Boom, they destroyed him. He shortly went out. Elizabeth Warren followed the same pattern. She had a moment, you know, mid-campaign where she was actually doing really well. Many people predicted that she was going to go really far and possibly even win the nomination. Now, obviously, this couldn't be the case as she pretty quickly lost steam to Bernie Sanders from there, and it became clear that the race was mainly going to be between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden at that point. So she does, she did, they did mention that, you know, the front render, front runners changing at a pretty rapid pace, you know, all the polling numbers switching really fast. Many people at the time when Elizabeth Warren was doing really well believed that Elizabeth Warren was going to do really well in many of these states. She actually underperformed in states in the state that she's actually from, Massachusetts. So n- not many people expecting it a couple months ago that she would do this poorly over Super Tuesday, and we'll get to more of that in a second when we get to the Super Tuesday results. But really, there was no reason for Elizabeth Warren to stay in longer than she did no one, after a certain point, most people realized that she was not going any further in her campaign. And she had some really crazy plans. We won't get to it in this episode, but the the left wing of the party is becoming very extreme. It, I, think, I think it's personally bad for the Democratic Party if Bernie Sanders were to win the nomination, they would have a very tough time going against President Donald Trump. Now, we'll talk more about the socialist ideologies. As someone from Colorado happened to mention Cuba and how they liked lots of aspects of Cuba, so that's great. We'll get to that. Well, first, let's get to what the New York Times had to say about Elizabeth Warren dropping out. Now, there's been this perspective on Elizabeth Warren dropping out that this is it for women, you know, you know, everyone's male, everyone's a man, Donald Trump's man, you know, vice president, you know, we've never had a female president yet, but first let's get to what the New York Times has to say. So they say, quote, Senator Elizabeth Warren entered the 2020 race with expansive plans to use federal government to remake American society, pressing to strip power and wealth from a moneyed class that she saw as fundamentally corrupting the country's economic and political order. She exited on Thursday after an avalanche of excuse me, avalanche of progressive policy proposals. 
tongue twister there, progressive policy proposals, which b briefly elevated her to a front-runner status late last fall, failed to attract a broader polit political, wow, I'm really struggling, political coalition and Democratic Party increasingly, if not singularly, focusing on defeating President Trump. Her departure means that a Democratic field that began at the most diverse in American history and included six women is now essentially down to two white men, former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr. and Senator Bernie Sanders. Ms. Warren said that from the start, she had been told that there were only two true lanes in the 2020 contestant, con contest, a liberal one dominated by Mr. Sanders, 78, and a moderate one led by Mr. Biden, 77. So there's been this huge focus on the fact that Elizabeth Warren has, you know, gotten out and now there's, I mean, everyone's forgetting about Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard's still in the corner. Hey guys, listen to me. I'm still in this. Uh, she'll probably run as an independent. I mean, an, an independent has never won before and almost certainly will not. But with Elizabeth Warren dropping out, this has led many people, you know, obviously to a fair conclusion. There will not be a woman president in 2020. Personally, I think Trump has a very strong economy and he'll win based off that very fact, if not more, of what he's done in his presidency. We'll get to a little bit more of that later. But there's been this whole perspective on this failed campaign that there's not going to be a woman president come 2020. Now, before we get a little bit more into that, let's hear what Elizabeth Warren has to say. And I wonder what your message would be to the women and girls who feel like we're left with two white men to decide between. I know. One of the hardest parts of this is all those people and all those little girls who are going to have to wait for more years. Uh, that's going to be hard. So, yeah. Huge focus on the fact that Elizabeth Warren was one of the last female candidates left on the stage and that she is now out. Now, the media have been making a huge deal out of this. Now, before we get more into that, let me just say it would be great if we had a female president. We've already had a black president, obviously Barack Obama, our last president. If, if it were up to me, Barack Obama would not have been president because of his political ideology. But I think it's great that, you know, a black person can become president. You know, Ben Carson ran for the Republicans in 2016. Sarah Palin was the VP nomination in 2008 running with John McCain. Hillary Clinton was the Democratic nominee, you know, last time around for the Democrats. But the media have focused on the fact that because Elizabeth Warren is not the nominee, Obviously, everyone is sexist and America is sexist and that because Elizabeth Warren couldn't do it, no woman could do it and that there will never be a female president. Now, this is obviously wrong. I, I've talked about this on the show before, but this whole idea of identity politics that because I am black, you have to vote for me. Because I am female, you have to vote for me. All that stuff should not matter. Now, again, would it be great if we had, in my mind, a Republican black president? Of course. Would it be great if we had a Republican female president? That would be amazing. You know, there's a lot of talk on Nikki Haley running. 
So there's all that. Sarah Palin was the VP nomination. There's a lot of people involved in politics that are creating it more diverse. But the fact that because a failed presidential candidate has now dropped out, now that America is now sexist again, that doesn't make sense. Considering that the Democratic Party, the one who didn't give the nomination to Elizabeth Warren, literally voted to have Hillary Clinton be the nominee last go-around. So... And so if you take a step back for a second, are what Democrats really trying to say, are they saying that a woman has to be in a, in the race, a black person has to be in the presidential race? Now, again, if they are, that's great. I hope they do great. And, and as long as, you know, they agree with me, obviously, personally for me. But shouldn't voting be on merits, not gender, race? I, I totally agree that <clears throat> gender should not matter for the presidency, that race should not matter for the presidency. Shouldn't we be voting based on political ideologies and, you know, beliefs, merits, leadership, qualities, characteristics that are good for the country? And I think if we focus more on that, we would have a lot better society. For example, Kamala Harris, you know, dropped out a little while ago. She happened to be black and a female. So there was a lot of talk when she dropped out that America is not ready for a black female president. Now, this whole narrative pushed by the media is simply false. The idea is not that America is not ready for a black female president, not ready for a female president, not ready for a black president. The idea is the person who is running, aka Kamala Harris, in this example had beliefs and an ideology that lots of people disagreed with she she attacked joe biden the first debate that that gave her a lot of momentum but when people started to realize you know medicare for all she consistently changed her ideas on medicare for all for example she attacked joe biden for not endorsing a medicare for all plan and then a month or two later after she was attacked for that she now sided with Joe Biden and said, you know, it's okay if it's okay if people want to keep their plans. Now, that's not the point, but that shows voters, hey, this candidate is not very consistent with what they believe. I don't feel I can trust them if they're going to keep changing their beliefs to try and get more votes. Now, the voters aren't voting for them because they're racist, because they don't want to see a female president. They're not voting for them because they think they would make a bad president. Now, there's always going to be some people out there and who, who do vote because of this, and that's not a good thing. But most of the people who do vote for Elizabeth Warren or do not vote for Elizabeth Warren, and same goes to Kamala Harris, does not have to do with what, what the race, you know, their, their gender. It has to do with who they are as a person. You know, that alone, the Medicare for All example, showing that Kamala Harris may not be the most honest person, just because you don't vote for her doesn't mean you're now a racist. You're simply not voting for Kamala Harris in this example because you don't agree with what she's saying and she's not being consistent. So this whole narrative pushed by the media that you have to vote for certain types of people specifically because of their identity is really damaging to society. Now, obviously, we've seen more diversity than ever, and that is such a great thing. Ben Carson ran in 2016. All of these different types of people from diverse backgrounds are running as candidates. 
So this whole idea being pushed by the media is it's really disappointing. And how the New York Times, I'll read again, points out, is now essentially down to two white men, former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr. and Senator Bernie Sanders. Oh, that must mean because voters just like old white men. Well, let's talk about some of the reasons why these candidates are so popular in the first place. I mean, Joseph, Joseph Biden, Joe Biden started out his campaign at around 45%, you know, polling. And that's not because he's white. That's not because he's an old man. That's because he ran, he, he was vice president with Barack Obama. He had the name recognition. So the fact that Joe Biden is still in the race does not mean that voters prefer old white men. It means that they prefer a more moderate candidate who served under someone they knew and trust. Now, do I like Barack Obama? No, but lots of Democratic voters do, and that's what makes Joe Biden so popular. Another great example, Bernie Sanders. He ran in 2016. He built up a strong base. Now, obviously, I disagree with him. But he had the advantage over Elizabeth Warren in 2020. He already had a strong, enthusiastic base. And when many people rallied for him and not Elizabeth Warren, that doesn't mean that they're sexist. It just means that they've already, you know, had an enthusiasm for Bernie Sanders and would rather support him, who has the same ideology as Senator Warren. So enough with that. Uh... As she is dropping out, they've asked about an endorsement, and she has declined to make an endorsement. <laughs> Bernie Sanders has got to be sitting there like, oh, come on. That was the worst Bernie Sanders impression I've ever done. <laughs> but no, seriously, <laughs> if you look just before Super Tuesday, all the moderate candidates were dropping out and endorsing Joe Biden, trying to rally all the moderate support around Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren drops out. Bernie Sanders is ready to get that more of, more of the socialist vote, and Elizabeth Warren will not make an endorsement. Ah, <laughs> oh, that really that that must hurt for Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry, Bernie. <laughs> As we will get to in a second, Bernie Sanders is declining in the polls very rapidly. It's 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 insane how fast this is changing. How Joe Biden was the front runner, then Elizabeth Warren was getting up there, then it was Joe Biden. Then Bernie Sanders snuck in there. Then it was Mike Bloomberg. Now it's Joe Biden pretty heavily again. We'll get to all of that in a second. But really interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Very important to Trump's strategy in 2020, which we will get to later. But while we are on the topic of Elizabeth Warren, she recently tweeted, yes, politicians, <laughs> a classic politician, uh, you know, as we're talking about Elizabeth Warren, coronavirus, all that stuff, we'll go, we'll go ahead and talk about this. So Elizabeth Warren says, quote, back in July, I warned an economic crash could be coming. One serious shock would be enough. And the Trump administration's incompetent response to the coronavirus is already weakening our economy. Now, if you actually go and read the article that she links, she spends like the first 75% of the article explaining how she was right in 2008. So that helps. But let's start with some of the things we know. So CBS reported as of today that 26 people have died of the coronavirus. Now, full respect to those who have died and their family. You know, this is very serious. But what exactly should Trump be doing to make this better? 
And this, this all happened down really fast. And the Trump administration's response to this has been pretty well planned for what they, they as an administration had to work with. And this was a fast outbreak. You've got, you know, people coming in and out of the United States very quickly. And the fact that we've been able to control it as we have, now obviously it's not perfect. Obviously there's still people who have it, but it's pretty surprising how well Trump and his administration has been able to handle the coronavirus. But of course, you know, the economy stocks are not doing as well right now. So Democrats, the media, CNN, Elizabeth Warren, MSNBC, the New York Times are all going after Trump for the coronavirus. Now, if you take a step back and actually look at this, don't you think we as a nation, we as a world could get the most done if we all worked together and stopped blaming each other? Yes, of course, but politicians such as Elizabeth Warren need to attack President Donald Trump because they don't like him and they want to blame everything on Trump because guess what? That will be best for their political chances in 2020, sadly. So, what exactly is Elizabeth Warren proposing to do about the coronavirus? Now, here's one thing I will say. Trump, since he's become president, many people were hesitant about voting for him. All they wanted, they did not want Elizabeth Warren, not, not Elizabeth Warren, my bad, Hillary Clinton to win. They decided to vote for Donald Trump. They did not like the idea. But ever since, Trump has had an amazing economy. He's lowered taxes, you know, great, you know, a great economy, the lowest unemployment rate ever. The Dow Jones hit its max it's ever been at before. Obviously not right now. It's a little lower. We'll get to that in a second. But Trump has done a lot of stuff. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump has done so many things that have helped prop up the economy and the United States in in areas that we never thought we would have reached under the Obama administration, for example. So as Trump is taking us to new highs with employment, with small businesses, all of these sorts of things, and that's really helping a lot of citizens, a lot of voters come 2020. So Elizabeth Warren is saying that Trump's response is bad. First of all, we just talked about why It's not necessarily, you know, he's been actually doing a really good job handling this thing. And can you think of a better president, a better candidate to handle this situation? And let's take, for example, Elizabeth Warren, who wants to tax the rich and do all of these, have all these ideas that would cost tons of money. I mean, Bernie Sanders wants to, has openly supported the Green New Deal, which would cost $90 trillion dollars. You don't think money people would pull money out of the stock market? Oh, they would, and that would be it. Whether you like Bernie Sanders or not, that would that would cause a huge economic plunge in the stock market for sure. And Elizabeth Warren has very similar plans. So if Elizabeth Warren were president, say 2017, inauguration day, similar to Bernie Sanders, people would be nervous about their money with these crazy aggressive, high-costing socialist plans. So now they're pulling their money out of the stock market. The stock market's doing terrible. It's hurting businesses. And Elizabeth Warren wants to break up corporations such as, you know, tech companies that 
many Americans use and rely on today. And then the coronavirus happens. You can't have a faster response than what Trump did. This was all. This all happened so fast. I would much rather have a really good economy, really good unemployment rates, and have something happen that's dangerous to the economy than someone who totally destroys the economy, has a really high unemployment rate, and then something like the coronavirus hits the United States. Now, that would be dangerous. But, of course, Elizabeth Warren has to play the blame game. Donald Trump's president, so she's going to blame President Donald Trump for everything she can. Okay, so enough with Elizabeth Warren. Enough with the coronavirus. Last week was Super Tuesday. And you may have heard Joe Biden came out with the big win over Bernie Sanders. Well, Bernie Sanders did take the biggest prize of the night. So let's just review what actually happened. So Joe Biden won Alabama, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Minnesota, Texas, Maine, and Massachusetts. Whew. I mean, just just to mention, in her home state, Elizabeth Warren got 21.4%, and Joe Biden got 33.6%. Just saying. <laughs> no. And then the only other person, only other candidate to win states was Bernie Sanders. I like how he looks mad in all of his pictures. Anyway, who won Vermont, Colorado, Utah, kind of surprising there, and California, the state that obviously has the most delegates at 415. Now, the Democratic system is not like the the Democratic system is not like the Republican system, so it's not a winner-take-all system. So just because Bernie Sanders won California does not mean that he gets all 415 of the delegates. So kind of stinks for Bernie Sanders in a way, I guess. But Joe Biden was the big winner of the night. And you can kind of accredit that to everyone dropping out and then endorsing Joe Biden the night before. So you've got Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, all of those candidates coming out and endorsing Joe Biden the night before Super Tuesday Eve to get him all the votes they can to consolidate all the moderate votes in one lane to try and stop Bernie Sanders. Because the Democrats know deep down in their hearts, if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, he's losing to Donald Trump. That's just a fact. They, If if they thought Bernie Sanders could beat Donald Trump, first of all, the media, especially Chris Matthews, wouldn't be freaking out. And second of all, the moderates may have tried to stay in. So big win for Joe Biden. And because of that, as we will get to in a second... Joe Biden has been doing incredibly well in some of the latest polls. Bernie Sanders, just like all the other candidates, he had his moment. He took momentum from Elizabeth Warren. And then Super Tuesday happened, which is the most probably the most consequential thing that happened so far in the Democratic primaries. One Joe Biden, enough delegates, the majority of the delegates, and you know, majority of the states as well. And now he is on a roll. So there are a couple of polls conducted by Real Clear, Real Clear Politics today. So let's start with the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. Biden at 54, Sanders at 35, and Gabbard at 2. Now, if you remember, Tulsi Gabbard is actually still in this. So many people are crying because there you know, isn't a female representative less. Well, you still got Tulsi Gabbard at two. Okay, okay. So that that leaves Biden at plus 19. 
and then there's another one that was by Quinnipiac, and there's one by CNN that puts Biden at 52, Sanders at 36, and Gabbard at none, so that puts Biden at plus 16, plus 16, plus 19. These are all very dramatic leads, something you would not have seen even a couple of weeks ago. And then for your Mich Michigan Democratic presidential primary, according to not Yahoo News and YouGov, Biden is at 54, Sanders at 42, so that puts Biden at plus 12. And if you look, there's actually a bunch of these polls conducted. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Each put Biden at plus 15, plus 12, plus 24, plus 21, and plus 41, putting Biden at 65 and Sanders at 24. And then in Mississippi, Biden at plus 55. Wisconsin, Biden plus 11. Pennsylvania, Biden plus 28. This is looking like it's going to go heavy favor in Joe Biden. Now, if you take a second step back and look at this for a second, why wasn't this happening at the beginning? Joe Biden, he kind of blew it. He, he got a second chance with all the moderates dropping out, doing well Super Tuesday. But with the name recognition being vice president under Barack Obama... Obviously, he's doing really well in the South. Joe, this should have happened for Joe Biden straight from the beginning. It's his lack of enthusiasm that led to his downfall in the first place. But Biden with a major comeback, all starting in South Carolina. This is crazy. No one saw this coming, but Biden is likely to take the nomination now. Sanders is slowly sinking further and further down in the polls waiting for Elizabeth Warren to give him her endorsement. But no, goodbye Bernie Sanders. This is looking more and more like it's going towards Biden. In episodes to come, we'll talk about debates between them. But this is really looking like it's going to be Biden, a Biden versus Trump matchup. Many Republicans wanted to see Bernie Sanders go up against Donald Trump just because they thought D Donald Trump would win so badly. It would be embarrassing for the Democrats. But I have pretty confident feelings about Joe Biden versus, Michi versus, versus Michigan. I'm still looking at these polls. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Just because if you look through impeachment, really strong talking point. Uh, this The whole impeachment had to do with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And if you took a look at the polls, the more impeachment was actually talked about, the more it hurt Biden, the the better it was for Trump. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I, if we see Trump use that as a tactic if Biden does win the nomination. I'll keep you updated on that in future episodes, but that's it for our polling in the Democratic primaries as of right now, which leads us to our last story of the day. Now, this story probably frustrates me the most in quite a long time. So we'll get right into it, and we can talk about it after. So this happens to actually come from my state, Colorado. Go Colorado, woohoo! Uh, except <laughs> bad news. So Candy, I'm about to butcher this name, Candy Kadibaka is obviously on Twitter again. <laughs> Politicians and Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter again, a representative from Denver and... Before we get into what she had to say, something she retweeted, 
let's just talk about some of the things she said in the past. So here's what she said in the past. The communist piece. I've been in places where we've demonized people for being communists. I've been to Cuba. I love Cuba. I love the way there's not that rampant consumerism like we have here. But I do understand that Cuba, in the global context, they still have to deal with capitalism. They still rely on tourism. They're still shut off from a world that's making them think they're missing out on something. But I don't think rampant consumerism has served us well. I think there's a clear problem with our structure, both political and economic. We've allowed the concentration of wealth through the concentration of political power. Wow. <laughs> Just really, wow. <laughs> like, they're still shut off from the world that's making them think they're missing out on something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Capitalism has brought the United States the biggest success in history. I mean, she talks about rampant consumerism. Capitalism has made us the biggest, best economy place to live, place with most freedoms than anywhere else in the world. Go USA. Capitalism has led to, to businesses that, you know, become international, has led to crazy low prices that everyone can afford. Just in the State of the Union a month ago, more people are coming off food stamps and more people are able to afford life in the United States. Now, Ted Cruz, his family happened to actually be from Cuba, and he had some interesting stories to tell with his aunt about Cuba. So, when you go to Cuba, or at least this lady, she says she loves it. According to someone who actually lived there and was tortured by Castro, people were starving. I mean, seriously, this, this isn't funny. People were starving. People are starving to death. She said they wouldn't allow you to rent a boat because all the people who they've let rent a boat in the past would would try to escape. I mean, saying they're still shut off from a world that's making them think like they're they're, they're missing out on something else. Well, if they can't lend a mode of transportation that would allow them to escape because anyone who would have access to that would try to escape, something's obviously going to be wrong. Not to mention that communism really cracks down on religion and religious freedom. So it's not just economic disasters that we've seen. If if you come, if you go to someone, you know, and they happen to support socialism, communism, I want you to ask them one simple question. When has communism, when has socialism ever worked? Uh, you know, this lady said that it works in Cuba, but obviously everyone's trying to escape. There's not religious freedom. People are starving on the streets. <laughs> I That doesn't sound very good to me. I would much rather live in America, but... You know, you know, Candy, if you think Cuba is amazing, I think you should go live there. Really, if you think it's amazing, go ahead and go live there. Socialism, communism has never worked. <laughs> Venezuela, the USSR, Cuba, the, exa the, list, the examples go on. Not to mention that communism really cracks down on religious freedom. Another story that they talked about in Cuba 
was they would go into elementary schools, you know, kindergartners, first graders, and they would tell, you know, they would have Cuban soldiers and they'd say, I want you to pray to God for a piece of candy. And I want you to close your eyes. So they all closed their eyes and prayed for a piece of candy. And you know, nothing was there when they opened their eyes. And then they said, I want you to pray to Castro for a piece of candy. And then while they're closing their eyes and praying, they all put a candy on each of the desks. Like this, this stuff is insane. To think that Cuba is a great place to live. Like, so this is what we're going into. So this is what this lady has said before we even get into what she's about to say next. So that's what she said. Now we're going to get into something she retweeted. So someone tweeted saying, for the record, if I do get the coronavirus, I'm attending every MAGA rally I can. Now that is the nastiest statement I've ever heard. Saying that you're willing to put other people's lives at risk because of the political ideology they support. Now, I disagree with Bernie Sanders. I disagree with Elizabeth Warren. I disagree with Nancy Pelosi. I disagree with Barack Obama. The list goes on. I disagree with this lady who decided to retweet this to say that, you know, I want you to get the coronavirus, basically. You know, if you support Trump, I want you to get the coronavirus. And we'll get to what she actually has to say. But just because I disagree with these people doesn't mean that I want them to be harmed or to, you know, get sick, to be in life-threatening situations. I mean, it's not even just them, their family, their friends. You know, this has impacted, this has had big impacts on a global scale. This is a nasty thing to say. That it, whoever, whoever said that should really be, like, Oh my gosh, that's that's ridiculous. And then, you know, this lady has to retweet it and say, hashtag solidarity, yes. And then laughing emojis and then an okay, uh, okay emoji. Like, are you kidding me? This is someone in our government, in Colorado, where Colorado is where I live, who's saying that, you know, if you get the coronavirus, I want you to attend every MAGA rally that you can. I want you to harm as many people as you can. This is the most ridiculous stuff ever. Now, immediately after this, uh, good for them. Colorado GOP calls for the resigna- resignation of this lady. Obviously, she's not going to, you know, resign. But I think it's good that, you know, Republicans especially are able to take a stand against this sort of nasty material. The idea that if you... If you support someone, if your beliefs are different than others, that you should get sick, that you should be in harm's way, that this can affect your family and your friends, that's some nasty stuff. And that really is bad for the freedom of speech. I mean, when the founders created the freedom of speech, they wanted people to express their opinions, not only about politics, but about their current government and their government leaders. And to say that if one person agrees with a political leader over another, they have a certain political ideology, that they should be killed or harmed or get sick because of that, that shuts down freedom of speech in, the Amer- in America and is incredibly dangerous. So this, this whole story makes me really mad, you know, praising a country where everyone wants to get out of, and then to suggest that people 
you know, should be put in harm's way because of what they believe is hurting freedom of speech and it's dangerous for democracy. So in this episode of The James Wilson Show, we've talked about Elizabeth Warren, the coronavirus, the Super Tuesday results in the Democratic primary, and of course, someone from Colorado, a Colorado representative, who had to talk about the coronavirus and attending every MAGA rally. My name is James Wilson, and this is The James Wilson Show. Thanks for listening, and tune in for more later.